Welcome to the Alternative Assets Podcast. This is not another podcast about the stock market. Instead, we focus on a rapidly evolving world of alts. The goal of this podcast is to provide original research and insights that empowers you to become a better alternative investor. With each episode, we hope to bring you along with us as we learn together. Thanks for joining. Now let's dive in. Opinions expressed on this podcast by the hosts and podcast guests are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Podcast hosts and guests may maintain positions in the offerings discussed in this podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Assets Podcast. This is Horatio Ruiz. I'm co-host with Stefan. Today, we are very honored, very happy to have Bruce Pascal. He is a Hot Wheels collector and historian, and even that's an understatement. Bruce has what is believed to be the most expensive or the most valuable Hot Wheels collection in the world. And if you think he's just a collector, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Bruce is really a, a keeper for Hot Wheels. He's, he's, he's a Hot Wheels historian. Anything to know about Hot Wheels, he is the guy. Bruce, we're, we're very happy to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Bruce, uh, when we were setting up this interview, you know, I started doing my research just so I know, you know, exactly what, what you've done. Uh, we're here to talk about, uh, you know, Hot Wheels as potentially an alternative asset, something that we could use in, as an investment. And um, I just I just noticed on your Instagram channel that you got this huge shipment of, of, of boxes and you've been posting about all these good things that you've been receiving. What have you been up to lately? Well, <laughs> you know, it's a continuation of, of a crazy hobby. Now that I'm 60 years old, and remind you, Hot Wheels came out in 1968. So we're talking, you know, 53 years ago. A lot of the collectors, unfortunately, we're finding are actually passing away. And uh, when they go to the internet to say, what do I do with my husband, my brothers, my father's collection? My name is found on the internet and I get these calls at least once a week. And it could be from somebody who passed away to somebody who's just tired of their collection, has a financial need. And uh, it's pretty exciting. And there's a whole art to buying large collections. So this collection that I just posted on Instagram, I got the phone call. Unfortunately, somebody's brother had passed away and their entire garage was filled with Hot Wheels. And they had no idea where to start, where to end, how to get rid of it. So I gave them some free advice of the best ways to maximize their value. And uh, the answer was, we're not interested in maximizing the value. We're interested in getting out of our garage in five days. So I flew to California. Uh, they opened the garage. And really, you, you know, when you buy a collection of 6,000 cars, you don't open up and go through every single car. You kind of get a, a generic idea of what's in the garage. And... Um, came up with a number. I was ready to negotiate. I threw out my offer and she goes, sold. I had no idea how bad they really wanted to get rid of them. Then we ran into the problem. How do you ship it home? Bids ranged from $3,700 to $4,700. I had completely underestimated the shipping cost of a garage worth of Hot Wheels, but I got incredibly lucky that a neighbor of mine runs a moving company that happened to have a truck at that time in LA and for a box of Hot Wheels that I gave his son, I got the item shipped to me gratis. So how's that for a little bit of luck to start the story? That that's a that's luck on 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 two ends there. You know the the, the this collection, you know, getting it shipped to you. That's awesome, man. And, and then that starts 
the real whole journey of how are you going to get rid of it? I have a full-time job in real estate and I'm mostly a collector. This has only been recently, I've been buying these collections to flip because it's, it is a great investment potential. And then literally I've been boxing items and sending them to different eBay sellers. I negotiate fees between 10% and 20% on top of the eBay fee. And, um, there's really a whole world of people out there. It's a whole industry that do eBay selling for other people. What's good about using them is if you find somebody that specializes in Hot Wheel sales, they have a following and you actually get better prices than if you just gave it to somebody who said, I'll do it for 5% and they don't have a follower. There really is an art on eBay for people following individual sellers. So that maximizes my return. And I'm already about halfway through 6,000 cars selling. And it's uh, pretty exciting. A couple surprises on the positive and a couple negatives. But uh, I think at the end of the day, I'll probably double my money. Wow. So how do you get into that, the network? I mean, how, how do you know who to kind of have sell for you? You know, let's say for anybody that might have a large collection of Hot Wheels or they, they kind of don't know how to best maximize their, their, what they have, right? It, it's, it's a great idea. There's a lot of people on eBay that do full-time businesses and they run ads. I buy Hot Wheels. I mean, if you Google, I buy Hot Wheels, you'll see 10, 20, 30 people that will say, I'll buy your collections. Now, the difference though is kind of like who pays what. When I'm a collector and somebody calls me with what I really truly collect, Redline Hot Wheels. These are Hot Wheels made from 1968 through 1977. And they're called Redline Hot Wheels because they have a red line around the wheel like muscle cars did in that day. That to me is what I truly collect. I'm staring at a room with 1,300 redline cars on the wall right now as I do this podcast. I will pay anywhere from 65 to 105% of the value to buy those cars, especially if it's something that I really need to fill a hole. This particular collection that I recently bought I literally made an offer of 35 cents on the dollar because I knew there was going to be shipping cost, even though I got lucky. And I knew there was going to be tremendous eBay cost. You know, that takes a third off right there. So, you know, you're paying 50 cents on a dollar on one way of looking at it. But what you have to do is in the beginning is find the right buyer or put it on yourself on eBay. The best way is probably to get involved in the hobby. I, I wouldn't get into any um, selling of items that have extreme value until you really do your research. There's Facebook pages specializing on red lines. Trust me, if you post a picture, you'll have like 7,000 messages in two minutes saying, I'll buy that car from you. And you can figure out whether you have a good car or you don't. Um, there are books out there that give you approximate values and guides. There's websites that can give you approximate values. So to me, the first thing you do is get an idea of what you actually own. It's like finding an old painting in grandma's attic. Don't just go to the pawn store and try to sell it. Uh, you know, do a little research first on the internet of what do you think you actually just found? Yeah, you could be sitting on something that's really valuable. Or, you know, like you said, it could be something, you know, not so valuable, cool to look at still. And then that might make your decision on whether you sell it or not. Absolutely. To give everybody the correct expectations, there's a reason that you don't go finding a Mickey Mano rookie card every day or an Onus Wagner, you know, baseball card, or you don't see an Enzo Ferrari turning the right corner because the really, really valuable ones, they are rare, R-A-R-E. They're, they're hard to find. They may have made you know, 1 million Camaros in blue, and they may have only made 50,000 of them in hot pink. So you know, finding the car in your collection is, is, is like having a lottery ticket that you just got your, you know, the $100 win. The average collector who kept their toys in a nice 72-car box 
from the 1968 through 72 era. It's a minimum of a thousand dollar value. I rarely get less than a thousand dollars to pay somebody for those collections. You're talking about uh, for the entire collection for per car. If they have a 72 car case filled with cars they played with and they're in decent shape, it's a thousand dollar plus value for those 72 cars. Now this weekend, I bought another collection of about 200 cars. One car was worth a thousand dollars in that collection by itself. It was a copper Corvette from 1968. And another car was worth about $800. It was an orange Camaro from 1968. So you get lucky and you have to know these things. These are like originals. I mean, you said 1968, that's when Hot Wheels came out. I mean, you're finding the first first line, you know, first line Hot Wheels, no? Absolutely. That's the most desirable uh, year of collecting Hot Wheels is to find uh, what's called affectionately the Sweet 16. And they call it the Sweet 16 is because they made 16 models in 1968 all based on either real cars or cars that were shown at car shows. Wow. And there they are. And they come in all different colors, and I imagine some are are rarer than others. Absolutely. That's what makes the value. It's um, the colors, the color of the interior, because they also switch those. The casting, was it made in Hong Kong or USA? So that gives it a little bit variation. But most importantly, what's the condition? If you have, let's just say, a, a blue Camaro in the original package, It's worth $1,500 if the package in the car is in great shape. If it's taken out of the package, it could be an $800 car, about half the value. And if the car, though, starts to have nicks, imagine going into a new showroom for a car dealer and there's a couple paint nicks. You're not going to pay the guy $62,000 list price for that car. You know, you probably walk away. Well, great collectors walk away from cars and Hot Wheels that aren't in mint condition, but they still have value, but it goes down exponentially every chip you see on the car until finally, if you see that same blue car and it was played with and it's chipped up, it's only worth $30. Does that give you an idea how $30 goes all the way up to 1600, depending on the condition and whether it's in a package? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like a baseball card, right? I mean, you, if you find that rare card, that mantle, right? That's in pristine condition. I mean, you're, yes. I mean, that, you're talking about millions of dollars, right? Uh, yeah. The Mickey Mantle, I think is worth, you know, $500,000. I think I heard on the street. It's, it's an amazing card. Now, the one difference between baseball card collecting and Hot Wheels is we don't have a major grading service. And I know for baseball cards, that has tremendously helped the investment and trading in higher dollars because there's a company with a name behind it and it's uh, sealed. Hot Wheels is very subjective. If the chip is right there on the front of the hood, that may be worse than if there's a tiny chip on the rear of the car. So it's very subjective how you grade Hot Wheels, which allows a lot of uh, price ranging, which makes it a little bit difficult for an amateur to come in. Are you saying that there's an opportunity for somebody to maybe even uh, dabble in that? Absolutely. The best way to say it is if you go to estate sales, I'll bet you one out of every 50 I go to, there's some Hot Wheels. Now, out of those one out of every 50, I'd say out of five of collections, three of them are in poor shape and they're overpriced. And two of them, you know, you, you paid a dollar a car and they're worth $100 each. So yeah. it's pot luck. Uh, people go to Goodwill and sometimes find these. But uh, the best way of doing it is find somebody who's my age, about 60 years old, and just say, hey, do you have any old Hot Wheels from your childhood? And a lot of people kept their original Hot Wheels. Be very mad at mom if she threw them away. 
<laughs> just like those baseball cards. Absolutely. Same yeah. category. You know, we jumped right in, uh, Bruce, into some strategies and, and, and how you've been able to kind of flip some, some of the collections you've bought. Let's go back because you have a really interesting story. You, you mentioned you're 60 years old. You haven't been collecting the Hot Wheels all your life. Something kind of kind of struck you. Could you talk about that moment that it was kind of like where your, your collecting journey started? Well, sure. Well, first of all, I'll state on the record. In 1968, I was seven years old, and boy, I played with Hot Wheels. I still have my Hot Wheel trash can from my bedroom, and I still have one of my original Hot Wheels. Unfortunately, I bought and sold so many of them, I only know this particular one was from my childhood. But like a lot of kids, 10 or 11 years old, I put them in a cigar box and just stuck them in my bedroom. And then in 1999, my mother was cleaning out the house and she called me and said, hey, can you pick up some stuff? And I picked up a box of original Hot Wheels. And I was with a good buddy of mine. His name is Curtis Paul. Uh, unfortunately, he recently passed away, but he was a great noted collector. And he goes, I'll give you $200 for him. And I'm looking at these toys and it was only like a dozen old Hot Wheels. I said, you're going to give me $200 for these? And he said, yeah. I said, nope, I'm going to keep them. And I thought about it at night saying, I love cars. I've loved toys. I mean, these are my toys when I was a kid. My, it's actually the first toy I really remember playing with. I'm going to start to collect. Within a week, I was running ads in the Washington Post. I buy old Hot Wheels. So how's that for a quick turnaround and decision to say, I'm going to start collecting? Did you have like that collecting DNA in you already? Were, were you a collector of other things before you did that? Uh-huh. Yeah. In college, I collected political memorabilia. And being from Washington, D.C., this is a great town to collect it. After college, I started collecting war posters. And then after war posters, I got into Tucker Automobilia. Everything but the car itself. I couldn't afford the car, but uh, I found a tremendous number of items related to Preston Tucker including being in Washington, D.C., a lawyer called me once, the original, original Articles of Incorporation for Tucker Automobile Company. I bought that and I flipped it at an auction house years later. So I've always been buying, selling, uh, as my mother says, wheeling and dealing. You know, I'm sorry for the, the lack of knowledge. I'm like, who is Preston Tucker? Oh, great guy. The Tucker Automobile came out in 1948 after the war. And General Motors and Ford and Chrysler were so scared of them. It was the first car with a big, powerful engine, uh, safety glass, seat belts, shaped differently. And the real regular people were just making old cars that look like pre-war. And um, they made a movie about it called Tucker. And you should see it. And they only made 48 cars. And the company was sued and put out of business. And eventually, he won his lawsuit. But by then, he lost the car company. He was a modern-day Tesla in the futuristic car he created, yet he did not have the success Tesla did. Today, those cars are worth over a million dollars each, to give you an idea. Okay. Keep learning something new from you, Bruce. Thank you. Thank uh, you. <laughs> and all these things lost to history, right? Unless you kind of, you know, you know, unless you have that, that background and that interest, did you find that once you started collecting Hot Wheels, those other collections kind of definitely took a backseat? So it's interesting. In all of my hobbies, I have a two to five year horizon of collecting, joining clubs, going to conventions and infiltrating you know, full speed ahead into the hobby. And then every single hobby had a, a death, a moment where I said, I'm just selling everything. Hot Wheels, I noticed uh, early on something happened that is probably worth, worthy of telling you. Six months after I started going crazy buying Hot Wheels, I read an article, the rarest Hot Wheel in the world was for sale. And they were asking $72,000. Now, at that time, 
the most valuable baseball card is $250,000. The Ferraris were selling for over a million. And I have a theory on investing in collectibles. And the theory goes the premium over its utilitarian value. So in other words, you could buy a car for $30,000 at that time from the lot by a new Honda, yet somebody would pay a million dollars for a Ferrari. You know, they're willing to pay a gigantic premium. You could buy a baseball card for a penny, but somebody was willing to pay a quarter of a million dollars for a rare one. There's a premium. And I thought for the most popular boy's toy of all time, how could it only be $72,000? It should be more because not everybody even knows what a Ferrari is, although they should, of course. But uh, a lot of people haven't touched it or seen it around the world. Hot Wheels, it's worldwide sales. Uh, And not only did everybody at this time of life probably has played with Hot Wheels or seen it, most of the parents bought Hot Wheels for the kids. So it's an item that just had, like baseball cards, universal appeal. So I negotiated a price, made a deal, and bought the rarest Hot Wheel in the world. And then something amazing happened. I'll use that word amazing. The most noted collector in the world who wrote a book on Hot Wheels would not include a Hot Wheel in his book unless he owned it to prove that that car existed. And he called my car a fake. Now, you can imagine me spending uh, five figures for a car and being told it may be fake. I had a heart attack, uh, figuratively. So to protect my investment, I called the seller who put me in touch with the original Mattel employee who bought the car. And I had a delightful conversation with him. And he created a notarized affidavit. He wrote a letter of why he had the car. And basically, he was mad that somebody would accuse a car that came from his collection as being fake. And I said, is there anything else you can send to me to prove to me you worked for Mattel? And he says, I'll send you everything I have. And about a week later, a thick envelope came with all these magazines that Mattel had as an internal publication. And he turned the page and there was the guy I bought the car from, Jacob Viss. He's on the Mattel golf team with seven other people. And then one night I had a a, a miracle dream idea and I got up at three in the morning sweating going, this is unbelievable. If that guy had a car with five figures in his garage, Maybe his golf buddies from Mattel's team in 1969 have one too. So every evening for three years straight, from 9 o'clock till 10 o'clock at night, and mind you, I'm East Coast and Mattel was located in the West Coast and most of the employees are different time zone. And this is back in 2000 and 1999. The internet was not like it was today. I don't even think there was a Google at that time. But I painstakingly tracked down and made a list of 4,000 names associated with the history of Hot Wheels, Hot Wheels TV commercials, Hot Wheels advertising. And I ended up interviewing 400 former employees. And I became the East Coast vacuum cleaner for some of the rarest Hot Wheel historical items known today. The original blueprints, the blueprints for the molds, the original sketches for the first Hot Wheels ever shown to the president of Mattel, to diaries, to notes related to internal procedures at Mattel. And along the way, hundreds of rare prototypes, which are the most valuable and hard to find cars you can find in Hot Wheels history. Cars painted unique colors that were never released to the public, unique interiors. And that is when, you know, that got me, I'm, I'm telling you this long story. I'm so invested in the history of the company. I've made so many friends with former employees. I can't even imagine ever getting out of this hobby Although my wife begs me to, uh, before I die, to make sure I get rid of it. I don't know if that will ever happen. <laughs> We're going to get to that. But you just talked about, you know, and we, we mentioned, you know, you're not, a, you're not just a collector. You're, you're, 
you're a historian and, and a historian. And let me even, if I can say the word, and if you're okay with it, like you've become an ambassador for the brand, right? I love that word ambassador. I truly enjoy being an ambassador for this toy. And why do I use that word? Or why do you use that word? Because I use it also. I'll tell you why. 18 years ago, if I told somebody I collected Hot Wheels, I got that look in the eye like when you put a flashlight on a deer. (laughs) And now the response is, you know, I think I saw you on Pawn Stars. Or I have a friend that collects Hot Wheels. Or I saw NBC News did a special on it. I read an article about it. And now the acceptance level has gone from, you know, if I had it on a rating scale from from 10 to 75, we still have a ways to go. I'll call baseball cards and, you know, in the 90s and rare cars and, you know, hit the 100. So I still have a way to go. Uh, and I say the word, I have a way to go. I feel like it's it's my duty and my uh, joy to let the world know that, you know, hot wheel collecting is pretty cool and a lot of fun. And it encompasses some amazing individuals and personalities and collections all around the world. Absolutely. I know you've, you've talked to 4,000 employees. Or- I tracked down 4,000 names individually between four to 500. Here's the problem. James Smith in California, when you look that name up, <laughs> I'll never find him. Odo Von Kubler, there's only two in, in, in uh, California. He was my second call. I found him. It's, it's amazing. It's a lot of fun. You talked about the most expensive Hot Wheels and you are the, the owner of, of the best, uh, the one in the best shape, right? The best condition. The, the pink rear loading beach bomb. Absolutely. Would you say that that's like the uh, piece de resistance of, of your collection? Exactly. I call that car the king of the hobby. And the story in that is very simple. Mattel made a Volkswagen bus. And wouldn't you know it when they were testing it and it went through the little teeny house, uh, the supercharger house that makes the car go fast on the other side. The Volkswagen bus was just like in a real world, too tall and skinny and it fell to the side. And Mattel said, what are we going to do? So they changed the small sunroof on the top to all glass, took the extra metal and made pockets on the side of the car to make it wider and heavier. And when they did that, the car worked. So these 50 known examples in different colors uh, today and all these different collectors, they're the king of the hobby. That, that's like owning a Mickey Mantle. And I own the rarest Mickey Mantle. That, as a, that's a good analogy that way. Because of the color, right? The pink. Yeah. Everybody loves the pink. It's beautiful. They made pink for girls and most boys destroyed the pink cars or didn't want to buy them. And they made very limited numbers. So there's only two pinks known. And mine is actually a prototype of the pink because it has the base of the newer version and the top of the older version. They were testing the car out and it's just an amazing, great shape too. It's 52 years old and it's beautiful. And that's the handle for your Instagram account, right? If you want to put it out there. Yes, it's Pink Beach Bomb. And you updated uh, a bunch of times. I know that's how I knew about the new collection that you had gotten. Your, your handle is named after that that car. And, and I want to go back on it because you mentioned something important there. So at the time you bought it for $75,000, you're kind of implied that you feel like these Hot Wheels in general, right? These rare vehicles are kind of undervalued. Do you still feel that way? Well, interestingly enough, uh, I've always felt the hobby is undervalued. But since COVID, we have had a tremendous spike, like all hobbies. So an item that I would have sold for $2,500 two years ago, I sold one at a recent convention for $6,000. I create my own database. Uh, It's the, in case I die, uh, catalog of 1,000 items for my wife, you know, where I bought it, what I paid, Mm -hmm. uh, where I get it from, and where I think it's worth. 
I'm constantly going back and updating that sheet and saying, wow, I had this car as $1,100. The last one sold for $2,000. It's a little crazy out there. And I'm sure you're seeing that in, in all investments right now, stocks, cryptocurrencies, nifties, uh, NFTs, uh, Hot Wheels. We're in, and I don't want to use the word bubble, but we're certainly in an elevated state right now. Is that a better way of saying it? You know, every market's different, right? We talked about earlier before before we started recording about how I, you know, I've been doing some research on NFTs and the consensus over the last month or two has been that a lot of these projects, you know, people pour thousands of dollars into, you know, in, in, in Ethereum and gas fees and everything and, and their their yeah. project their projects have gone to zero, you know. A bubble's definite for, for a large segment of, of, of that uh, of NFTs is is pretty pretty appropriate to, to say that. Well, the difference between Hot Wheels and NFTs is NFTs could be theoretically created every day, an infinite number. And although billions of Hot Wheels have been sold, when you start looking for certain models and certain colors and certain condition, there really is a true rarity out mm-hmm. there. You know, it's remember when you're a coin collector and you had a book yeah. and you had to put the coin in to fill every slot? There are a lot of Hot Wheel collectors that try that for whatever they collect. Every fire department car, every police car, every blue car, every Ferrari, every Dodge. And as long as there's a hole, uh, you know, collectors have a desire to fill that hole. Nifties, I call them nifties. I don't know if that's the appropriate word or not. There's thousands and thousands and thousands and millions of them, and they're being made every day. So I think you have to be more careful, although certainly people have made a fortune people i'm sure lost a fortune in them and you're exactly right for every you know for every newly branded millionaire right or there's, yep. there's other stories of people that are over leveraged is kind of the new term right now because uh you know people use their credit or whatever to purchase these believing that they're going to go up and and that hasn't been necessarily been the case for everybody so let me put it with hot wheels to give you an easy way of looking at it if you had bought and paid market prices in 2015 17 19 20 hot wheels in 2021, every single car you have, every single category has gone up in value. There's no question. Now, there's always some that go disproportionate. And in newer cars too, Mattel started this uh, new thing called the Redline Club, Mattel Creations. They only sell sometimes 5,000 cars at one time, which is an extremely limited number in the world of you know, 100,000 Hot Wheel collectors. And uh, the cars sell out on two or three minutes. If you're lucky enough to get on eBay, you may pay anywhere from 20 to 120, whatever Mattel's selling it for. And then within minutes, it's on eBay for 350 to 400 dollars. Wow. So there are ways of being a collector. And by the way, anybody can join the Mattel Club for nine dollars and ninety-nine cents. Get on the phone or on the computer and try to win these auctions. And it's it's a major way of making money there. If you bought every one of these cars and you get lucky, you could probably make a couple thousand dollars a year just from these sales. You talked about how these older collections, your collection has, has appreciated in value, and and in the market right now, we're kind of seeing the same thing in, across across the board with like even trading cards or NFTs. The money is going into the blue chips, right? Correct. The original NFTs, the first minted, you know, the crypto punks. Uh, if for for cards, you know, the, the mantles, the Jackie Robinsons. How about like for someone that doesn't maybe have access to? And you mentioned this before those the nineteen sixty eight sixty nine models, those original red lines. You know, if you're looking to invest in Hot Wheels, there's a way to do it with, with newer models? Yes. It's like buying art. So first of all, I always tell everybody, buy what you like. Hot Wheels still sells cars 10 for a dollar. <laughs> so 
it's kind of like, remember in the olden days, penny stocks truly were under a dollar. Remember those days? Yeah. <laughs> so you can go out and buy a Hot Wheel that you like. And one way people make money, and by the way, I'm not one of the individuals that do this, is there are people who literally go and look at the racks for what's for sale. And they look for what's known as variations. A front wheel may have seven spokes, a back wheel may have five. Instantaneously, that car is worth $5. Every year, a certain number of cars they call treasure hunts or supers, those were immediately worth anywhere from $5 to $200. Uh, and they're extremely limited edition cars. So the dealers, you know, the Kmarts, the um, Targets, they get cases of 72 or 96 cars at a time. They put 10 cases up. And out of those 720 or 960 cars, there's probably three or four cars in there that are probably worth anywhere from five to $200. So I call that investigative investing. Does that make sense? Yeah. That sounds like a lot of work too, yeah. <laughs> it, it's a lot of work to make it. But believe me, there are a lot of people doing it. There are certain cars, and this is why you have to be part of the community. You have to go to a convention. You have to join Facebook pages, uh, Ferraris, Bugattis, certain cars. Now, Mattel lost its license to Ferrari. So anybody who bought a lot of Ferraris in the olden days tripled their money or quadrupled or, or more just by saying, hey, I got these Ferraris. The Bugatti is a great casting that Mattel makes. And immediately they sell anywhere from five to 30 bucks if you can find them. So that's one way. The second way is buying it when people like baseball cards and cars to some degree if you're going to buy a car at a Barrett Jackson auction, you're probably not going to steal it with 1,000 people in attendance and 25,000 people watching on TV, right? In bidding? Yes. But if there's a neighbor down the street that's got a car under wraps and you hear he may have passed away and you knock on the wife's door or, or he's getting older and he doesn't want to drive the stick shift anymore, he may just say, take the car for 20 grand, yet it may sell at Barrett Jackson for 35 grand. So the inefficiency of the, the market is where the best investors can get their returns. So it's the ads on Craigslist. I'm selling some Hot Wheels. It's the estate sales. It's the Salvation Armies we talked about. It's finding them in the real world and being able to get them at a great price. That's the instant investing. It's something you really can't do in stocks and bonds, but you can do it with baseball cards. I'm not sure... We've all bought baseball cards at yard sales and finding out that we got at least a couple decent ones out of it, right? So you have, and you mentioned this before, your room is, is basically a museum unto itself, right? So I have two places. I'm speaking to you now from my home office where I hired an architect and I said, please make my room look like the office of the president of Mattel in 1971 would have it. <laughs> <laughs> I got gigantic track 14 feet in the sky that's two feet wide. I have a glass desk that you can see through all these original prototype Hot Wheel molds. I have one wall with 1,300 cars in these special cases. I have one wall that's been painted by one of the wildest paintings that was used on a poster for Mattel. And then I have another wall that simply has a, uh, a tool chest with a lot of rare cars and uh, an original painting that was used for a poster. So this is my ultimate office. And by the way, since COVID, Everybody now has their home offices. So I'd like to say I think I have one of the coolest Hot Wheel offices in the world. Then I had a problem. People were coming visiting me. And my wife wasn't too happy of strangers coming to our house and coming to the top floor. So what did I do? I ended up buying a warehouse. 
and making my own little private museum in Gaithersburg, Maryland. So that 4,000 square foot warehouse is where I keep 90% of my collection now. Wow. Right now I'm imagining your room. Okay. And, uh, I'm just imagining sitting there and, and just having all these kind of artifacts, right? And it looks like the former office of the President Mattel. So with all this stuff and, and relating back to what you were saying before, you still find that, that pleasure in going out to these estate sales, these garage sales and seeing if you could find like a diamond in the rough? Like what are you still looking for? Oh, I don't know what drives me, but because my life has been blessed by finding some major finds in the hobby, you know, finding the original drawings, finding the employee that nobody knew where he was. And, you know, 25 calls later, I found him. I'm looking for the search every day. I drove to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. It was an hour and 20 minute ride the Saturday morning to buy this collection. Every minute driving there was a pleasure. And then the guy filled up my trunk with 25 cigar boxes of cars. Every minute, I was just wondering how fast I can go and not get caught for speeding to take him to, to my office to, to unload and see what I got. I, I don't know. I, I'm just one of these guys that still has the passion. And if anything, it's gotten worse. It's not gotten better. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know, just, but you've made a second career out of it, right? You know, the money part of it is actually some years has been really good, but it's never been as good as my daytime job, which, you know, I work in commercial real estate. So this has always been a secondarily. And I've never started uh, with the exception of that 6,000 piece collection I bought in California which is one of the first large collections I bought just to sell. Uh, I'm usually buying collections to add to my collection. So it's very common for me to buy 200 cars and um, put six on my shelf that are better condition and rare, and then get rid of the other 194. And I'm excited if I get all my money back so that just those six cars came in free. So I'm not yeah. doing yeah. this to make a living by any stretch. Yeah, definitely. What do you envision your collection becoming? You have that warehouse you say you have I know you've mentioned possibly starting your own museum. Where do you see the future of your collection heading? So I've created what I call the unofficial East Coast Hot Wheels Museum. I have kids come by and I lay track down. And it's pretty exciting to see all the kids and the parents come by. I open it up to collectors of them in town and I enjoy showing the collection. So there will be a museum without a staff, except me. Uh, yeah. It'll be open only when I'm there. And uh, showing the collection and you know, I have no real reasons to to do anything else but to keep more acquiring uh, and cataloging and, and moving forward. The only thing I feel sad is I know the best days of collecting, finding the holy grails, are probably gone because most of the original Mattel employees either sold me their collection, passed away, or gave it to their kids, and who then sold it or you know don't even know what they have in somebody's garage. That finding those holy grails which I've had a few of those happen over the years, is probably getting harder and harder. Is there one that you're kind of dreaming of finding? Is there one that you got your eye on? No, there was one I was dreaming of finding, and then believe it or not, I found it. I interviewed an employee, and he told me one day that his job at Mattel was to come up with new ideas. And do you remember Cox airplanes where they would fly around in circles with a string attached to them with a little gas engine? I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. They said, why don't we put a tiny Cox gas engine in a Hot Wheel and see if we can then make gas-powered tiny cars with miniature engines. And I said, holy wow, did you have that car? And he goes, oh no, I never knew what happened to it. And then three years later, a guy calls me and he says, hey, Bruce, a fellow employee gave me your name and said, you buy unusual cars. I have this car with a gas engine, are you interested? And I fell off my chair. I flew that weekend to California just to buy that car. The sad ending was 
Another major collector had a super rare car and I traded it with him. And then some collector said, do you want me to get it running for you? In the attempt to get it running, the car exploded and broke into pieces. In a lot of what we do here, alternative assets, we, we, we write about fractional platforms. I'm just curious if you've ever been approached about something like that. Like, What are some companies maybe that have approached you about oh, to do something with your collection, something different? So I have thought on my own of that idea. I have no desire to sell the Pink Rillard Beach Bomb. And the reason is it's kind of exciting to own you know, the holy grail of a hobby. It's great to bring it to shows and watch people looking at it. It's, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to, to be the caregiver of that car. And I do display it and I do show it. Uh, it doesn't just sit in a safe every day. So I'm open always to interesting ideas. I was approached by one and I attempted to make an NFT of my pink beach bomb. Uh, he had the expertise in NFTs. I didn't. So I created the video. I sent it to him. And the asking price was $175,000 for it. And I was like, isn't that kind of high? But that's <laughs> what we went for. And of course, it never sold. Now, theoretically, I guess, and you know better than me, it's still out there for sale, right? So if anybody wants it on this uh, podcast, I'll throw a bunch of other Hot Wheels in there. So you have the NFT for the Pink Rear Loading Beach Bomb. So in that way, you have the rights to the digital uh, asset, but you also have the physical asset. Correct. Um, yeah. I'm a big believer, and I do hope to create some NFTs of some original drawings I have. So, for example, Mattel created an NFT of a car called the Twin Mill. It happens to be that I own the original drawing by the artist, the designer, for that Twin Mill. And Mattel actually was showing that when they were advertising the car in their ads. So, I thought it'd be pretty cool to buy that NFT took me forever to figure out how to bid on NFTs, get my Coinbase, get my MetaMask. This is all strange to me. I'm 60 years old and uh, uh, you know, I can still do eBay, but you know, I'm not the tech wizard out there. But I bid 6,000 on that NFT and, and it sold for close to seven. And the wow. rumor is it, it eventually flipped for $30,000. So maybe I should have bought it. But my dream was to put together the physical drawing and then I have the original prototype of that car and the NFT. So I have the first and the last. And I thought that would have been pretty cool. That would have been really cool. Yeah, those were the the, the one of ones, right? Like in June? Correct. They did three of those. Mm-hmm. And I was bidding on the one called the uh, Twin Mill. And they just announced on November 16th, they're coming out with another package of NFTs, much less expensive. You have to use a system called Wax, which I need mm-hmm. to start looking on really quick. And um, with that, there's also the possibility of getting certain real cars associated with the kind of lucky owner of some of the rare NFTs. Yeah. So it's it seems like, and that's something that I'm actually excited about. It's something I'm going to include in the, our newsletter the week of when that collection drops. So it seems like you're a big fan of the NFTs. You're a big fan of being able to kind of own these digital assets, right? Even though it's a far departure from owning the physical toy. Exactly. And in my particular case, you know, to me, it's an extension of the hobby. A lot of collectors only collect Hot Wheels. I'll collect the gas station banner from 1970. I'll mm-hmm. collect the blueprints. I'll collect the molds. So to me, this is just another extension. And, and by the way, one of the great things about Hot Wheels is they're actual beautiful creations of artwork of the automobile. And I, I think the automobile is one of the, you know, it's a form of artwork. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to have an NFT of a beautiful car. Absolutely. So is it safe to say that in your future, you know, along with kind of adding to your collection and, and looking for some more of, of this history behind Hot Wheels, you do want to explore more of this NFT space and, and being able to somehow expand your collection, right? Absolutely. I, I plan on uh, bidding and acquiring 
Mattel's latest offering coming out November 16th. No question. So, you know, Bruce, I hope that somebody's listening and, and you know, maybe you can collaborate and, and, and do more with your, you know, with your collection, kind of take it to that next step. I've been approached by several people and collectors and uh, a lot of people that are much more into the NFT world. You know, I, I still think we're in the first ending of NFTs. Uh, and there's a lot more to go with those for the future. For sure. We've run the course of, of, of the interview pretty much, Bruce, and, and I, I, I want to thank you for your time. And I know that just based on other interviews that I've heard you, there's so many more things that we could discuss. But I guess for the sake of, of our audience, you've touched on it before. Where would they start? Let's say, you know, they have that same kind of aha moment, right? You know, I, I love playing with my Hot Wheels. I, I could see myself getting into this as, as a hobby and, and as, a, as a potential investment. What would be the first uh, piece of advice you would give them to get started? The same advice as I give somebody who wants to invest in the stock market. Read, 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 and watch. So the same way in the stock market, you would um, start following prices every day, pick a stock and see how they go up and down. Type in a certain car that you like on eBay and watch the closed auctions and see the price variances to start seeing if you can learning about pricing of different cars. Watch all the YouTube videos you can on Hot Wheels. Read books. There are books out there. Get diecast magazines. Get immersed in the world first. Mm -hmm. And an educated consumer will eventually have better returns. And we do have, unfortunately, people that jump into the hobby with more money than knowledge and overpay for certain cars. And, you know, they may pay $5,000 for a car that I would have sold them for $2,000, but somebody else was, you know, told them it was the best in the world or, you know, a story. So, you know, be careful, be educated. And then, then you enter cautiously in the beginning. And then eventually, by the way, it took, I'm, I've been collecting for 22 years and I'm still learning and making mistakes and getting lucky uh, and, and sometimes no luck, but uh, be persistent, but be educated first before you actually make your first purchase. Unless you see a dollar car and you just happen to like it and it's pretty cool, then put it on your desk. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Um, I hope I didn't buy any of those for my kids. You know, there was a two hundred dollar car car there on the shelf that I just hey, take it. It's it's possible it's if possible. it was one of those supers as they call them. Yes. Thank you so much for for joining us, Bruce. Good to hear from you because it, it's weird. I'm talking to you for the first time, but I, I feel like I've heard from you from before, just from all the other um, interviews and podcasts that I've heard with you on. Thank you very much. I'm going to do my best to update a couple of pictures every other day on Pink Beach Bomb on Instagram and mm -hmm. uh, follow me. And then um, uh, and hopefully I'll come up with another NFT announcement one day and you'll see it on Instagram. You have a website as well that people can get in touch with? Uh, Hot Wheels Online. And the other one is called redlineprotos.com. So Hot Wheels Online, just like it sounds. And Redline Protos, it's like the Redline Wheels, but it's redlineprotos.com. Hot Wheels Online has a lot of the artwork. Mm -hmm. And Redline Protos has a lot of the um, the old prototype cars themselves. The prototypes, yeah. And I know that that that, that makes your, your collection even more unique. I mean, these are one of ones pretty much. I try to find them that way if I can. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bruce. Well, thank you. I very much enjoyed my time too. And I hope uh, the alternative investments, they're pretty exciting out there. And uh, I think there's great opportunity. And like I said, we're all in inning number one. So let's win this game. <laughs>